Welcome to this Market Commentator podcast. My name is Rijk van Niekerk and my guest today is Philip Wards. He is a portfolio manager at PSG and he co-manages several of the PSG global funds. Philip, welcome to the show. Let's start with the, the global perspective. Um, we are seeing some pretty dramatic global events um, that may impact long-term returns. Um, we saw Brexit earlier this year and Donald Trump will uh, move into the White House uh, early next year. How difficult is it to manage a global fund in, in this environment? Hello, Rex. First of all, thanks very much for having me on the show. I mean, as you rightfully said, it is a very tricky environment right now. But I guess in investing, it's always interesting times. And I think that the bottom line of how we look at the world, we're not in a position to be able to forecast whether Brexit or Trump will happen. And what we're doing in this environment, we're doing exactly the same as we've been doing over the last few years in, in, in all our portfolios. Of, of just taking a step back and looking at underlying valuations and fundamentals of asset classes and companies. Um, and I think even more so than, than worrying about Trump or, or Brexit, I think there's a bigger shift happening in the world. And we've kind of seen it coming on, I guess, since the financial crisis over the last few years, where there's been an environment of extremely low growth and low interest rates and low inflation. And that's kind of really led to, to valuations that have become extremely excessive um, in the market, in, in certain parts of the market, but also resulted in mispricings in other areas of the market. And that's the kind of area where we at PSG have been, been fishing and, and looking at. So whether Brexit or Trump happens, it, it doesn't really impact our day-to-day life uh, to a large extent. But we have seen some you know, significant changes, especially after Donald Trump's election um, as the new president, um, U.S. investors pulled around 11 billion U.S. dollars from bonds and they uh, piled into shares and that drove up markets to record highs. Did you do anything special or uh, also changed your strategy slightly when this happened? No, not at all. And I mean, I've got to stress here, we certainly didn't predict that Donald Trump was going to win the U.S. elections this year. But where we've been finding value in the market over, over the last couple of years and especially this year, has been in those areas that have been impacted by, by low interest rates. You mentioned investors pulled, pulled money from bonds with bond yields adjusting by, by about 50 basis points. It's, it's actually a case of we found value in, in that part of the market that, to our benefit, uh, uh, had a good performance since this election, but we certainly didn't change any of our positioning either before or, or after the election. But are you excited about the prospects? Uh, many people believe that we will see a, a stronger U.S. economy, and uh, obviously that will impact uh, asset pricing. Absolutely. I mean, a, a stronger economy, a U.S. economy, I guess, is, is, is good for the whole world. Um, but especially for the equities that we hold in the portfolio, they will be benefiting from uh, potentially a stronger U.S. economy, higher inflation and higher interest rates. Um, so certainly quite excited what it could bring but i think at this point it is just too early to to really say what 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 he's going to do there's been a lot of words and now we're going to see what what happens in in, in action mm. let's uh, cross the atlantic um marketwatch.com one of the premier you know market websites in the world they did a poll amongst investors and these investors said that their biggest concern for next year was a disintegration of the eu and the impact that may have on markets. Uh, how do you look at the Brexit and the potential impact on the EU? Yeah, so we've looked at the, the EU and, and implications that, that it could bring 
in terms of Italian referendums uh, or currently the French elections are quite topical for for next year. But we look at it more a case of what it would mean for for opportunities ultimately. Um, we we are bottom up stock pickers uh, and investors, and we we look at the whole globe for opportunities. But right now in Europe, from a fundamental and underlying valuation, we haven't been that excited in terms of finding opportunities um, in the European Union itself. Um, you mentioned you mentioned Brexit. Once again, we look at stocks from a from an underlying basis, and actually post Brexit, um, I actually went over to the UK to meet with some of the UK focused management teams to to assess uh, opportunities that that result from Brexit. So we 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 certainly watching the space, but looking for for opportunities when they arise. You're not going to change your geographic asset allocation due to these recent events, for example, you know, reduce your exposure to the to the UK. No. So if, if anything, we actually read a piece uh, last week. I think it was by, by Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, that, that called the, the UK the most contrarian both equity but also currency opportunity in the world at the moment. I mean, it's, it's quite astounding. Um, as, as things are, we, we, we have exposure to the UK, um, currently 12% of the PhD Global Flexible Fund and 14% of the PhD Global Equity Fund. And, you know, as the potential slow economy impacts some of the businesses, we, we, we're looking to pick up uh, good quality businesses that ultimately become on sale. Let's uh, go further east, Asian markets. Uh, what are your perceptions there? Yeah, once again, it's, we don't want to generalize um, because Asia and China especially has been obviously in vogue over, over many years and that also gets kind of a lot of hype. Um, we, we are invested in Asia. Um, we, we invested in, in countries like Japan and Singapore and Indonesia. Um, so once again, we, we look at individual companies in those markets, but, but certainly Asia can't be discounted because it is a faster growing uh, area in the world with a, with a large population. Um, but we are finding opportunities um, in, in that space. Just looking at your uh, equity fund, um, you also have around 7% of the portfolio is invested in Canada. Now, that's yeah. a market we're not really uh, afraid with here. Why, what, why the interest in Canada? Yeah, once again, it isn't an interest in Canada per se. It's just a company that we found in Canada, a company called Brookfield Asset Management, which actually was founded in, I think it was in 1899. It's a company that's been, been around the block and, and seen a, f- a few cycles. And it, it's, it's really a, a case of that it ticks our characteristics for, for investment. So we believe they've got a strong competitive advantage in the way they, they manage their underlying um, investments. And they've got a great management team. I mean, the management team uh, collectively has over $6 billion of, of their own money invested into, into Brookfield Asset Management uh, via various vehicles. But also it's, it's trading at, a, at an attractive price. And, and your question earlier, why Canada? Um, that often also leads to, to opportunities that, that aren't that well on the radar. Brookfield, as an example, uh, I mean, if you take a step back, if you look at companies like Google or Facebook, you, you would see dozens of analysts covering uh, covering those stocks. I think Brookfield, there's four analysts looking at the company, so it's a little bit below the radar. But but it's a big company. It's it's the second largest um, alternative asset manager uh, globally, 
and they invest into into real physical assets. Mm. And earlier, earlier when we started speaking, I referred to that environment, you know, of low inflation, low interest rates, that's that's had an impact on asset markets. It's, it's very similar in the in the in the real asset space, like toll roads, pipelines. Um, reservoirs, etc. That those prices have been uh, under pressure because of that environment. So, if we do see any change in, in, in underlying fundamentals, it should be disproportionately beneficial to companies like Brookfield going forward. But if it uh, represents seven percent of your total portfolio, it seems like a pretty significant investment. Yes, certainly. So, uh, the, the followers of, of PSG Asset Management. Uh, would be aware that we we have uh, two buy lists. So the one is uh, our local South African buy list, where we have 25 of our best ideas uh, on on that list, and also globally, we also have 25 of our top ideas. And it really forces us to think of high conviction, high probable investment ideas, where we really want to like, make money for our investors in absolute terms. So we're not worried about earning a share just because it's in the in the benchmark or the index. Or because it's relatively cheaper than another stock, we we are high conviction managers that want to own a few number of high quality uh, companies for the long run. So Brookfield Asset Management, um, at the end of October, was our third largest position in the portfolio. Just looking at other investments in that portfolio, Berkshire Hathaway is there. That's a quite you know I think in most South African based global firms you will see Berkshire Hathaway. Um, why, do you still think it's a, as attractive as it was a, a decade or t- two ago? Yeah, look, yeah, I mean, obviously it's compounded extremely well over, over many decades, but, but looking at it over the, the more recent horizon, and, and, and you mentioned many South African investors own, own Berkshire Hathaway, and, and it sometimes comes across as a bit of a boring investment, but in our view, sometimes boring is, is attractive. So, firstly, we... People that would have heard us talk about our three M's, moats, management, margin of safety. We think Berkshire Hathaway has a moat, and, and what it really has is a castle in the middle of that moat that is, 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 is great in, in certain times, but especially in uncertain times. So it's, it's, it's got characteristics of, 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 of permanent capital, um, of a permanent and stable shareholder base, so, which really allows the company, I think they've got capital of 350 $5 billion to take long-term investment decisions. And also, what Berkshire Hathaway would really attract us to it, it, it is managed by ultimately one of the world's best investors. Uh, and, and still, even, even after the recent strong share price performance we've seen, still available at a discount of, of 20% or 21% to be exact to, to what we think is a, is a fair intrinsic value. So even though it is well known, um, it, it is still an attractive opportunity in, in, in our eyes. Other names, uh, sales, uh, Sainsbury, that's quite pop- popular, Cisco Systems. But what I don't see um, is uh, Apple or, uh, or Google. Why are you, not, uh, are you invested in those shares? Um, so, Rick, we are invested in Apple, um, but we're not invested in Google. Um, you would have obviously read in the news and, and, and over the last year, App, Apple seems to have fallen out of favor with the investment community. There's fears around product cycles, about the new iPhone, and that's kind of led to, to evaluation that we think uh, uh, compensates us for, for taking on, on that risk. We think Apple has, still has a tremendous runway of growth going forward, and also with its, with its cash cushion that it has on the balance sheet, 
um, is now trading at, at, at a cheap valuation. So we do own own Apple, but we don't own Google. So Google is a company we'd like to own at, at some point, but we just can't find a margin of safety in in, in the Google parent company uh, at the moment. So you only quite recently uh, invested in Apple. Uh, we first bought Apple this year, earlier earlier in 20, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, the currency or the exchange rate is always a, a significant, uh, you know, investment or has a in- significant influence on investment returns. What is your view on the exchange rate and and and, and how should South African investors, uh, you know, take that into account when they invest offshore? Yeah, look, it's it's extremely difficult to to call the exchange rate over the short term. I think the message that we we could give is that over the long run. Uh, the rand has had a de- depreciating trend, um, and also, even more importantly, the companies that are available outside of South Africa are unique uh, that, that aren't available to South African investors uh, in, in, in Johannesburg. So it's, it's really a case of you know being able to access quality companies um, that, that 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 just can't be replicated here. And whether that's a company like Berkshire Hathaway with, with Warren Buffett. Or, as I mentioned earlier, Brookfield Asset Management, really having that long-term track record of, of excellent capital allocation and, and growth to companies in the portfolio like Qualcomm. Some of you may be familiar with Qualcomm for, for the leading uh, patent portfolio where they earn royalties on, on all the mobile devices that are sold. So to, to answer your question directly, it's difficult to call the currency in the short term, especially given the RAND. Mm has depreciated a lot in the last few years, but uh, for long-term investors, and especially from a, from, a, from a risk diversification and from an opportunity set, we, we, we think uh, that investors should allocate money to, to global opportunities. Philip, just lastly, uh, 2017 is, uh, is, is uh, a month away. What do you expect from, from next year? Look, the equities we hold in, in our portfolios are trading at attractive price to values. So we, we, we actually, you know, you, you would have seen the, the indices in the U.S. hitting record highs in the last, last few, few days. But from, a, from our portfolio, and we didn't really touch on that that much earlier, where one part of the market, which has been that high-quality, well-loved, defensive names being very expensive, but the, there's another opposite of the market where things that have been a bit more uncertain, a bit more cyclical, and that part of the market, which includes companies like the global banks in our portfolios, like a JP Morgan or a Wells Fargo, but also companies that are exposed to more industrial cyclical end markets, those companies are trading at multi-year cheap valuations. So we we actually quite positive on, on our positioning for for the next year, but I've got to, I've got to remind people, Investing into equities is a is a is a you know it's not a one day game. Well, absolutely. Um, but as you've just said, you know we are we are seeing some momentum stocks uh, doing really well, and sometimes uh, you know the value stocks are, are not performing as well. And it's a case of being more patient in in the volatile markets as we see now. No, absolutely. But but you know the, the momentum stocks doing well. That's really been a story over the last four years. You know, it started in 2012, 2013. Um, when a lot of those stocks started getting a big re-rating. But the value stocks that have underperformed have really started to outperform in, in 2016. And, and these cycles, you know, if they, if they happen, they, they can last for a long time, especially 
I mean, you asked earlier the rally on, 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 on the U.S., for example, U.S. banks. Even though we've seen a good rally in the U.S. banks in the last, last few weeks, they're still only trading at just over one times price to book compared to longer-term averages of almost two times. So while they're starting to work, there's still a lot of runway for, 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 for these opportunities. Thank you, Philip. That was Philip Woods. He is a portfolio manager at PSG and a co-manager of several of the PSG Global Funds.